0: Darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies
1: the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio.
2: It should be uncomfortable for a believer to
1: live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media. And the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now. The Hamilton Corner.
3: Psalm 917 says, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Welcome to The Hamilton Corner. Alex McFarland here, sitting in for Abe Hamilton. Very honored to do that. Uh, I feel so privileged whenever I have an opportunity, two or three times a year, I think it is. I sub for Abe. And uh, this is the week of my third favorite holiday. Uh, Good evening, folks. It's such an honor, and we've got a power-packed show. This is going to be amazing, amazing. Uh, I've got a few things I believe God's put on my heart. We have two nationally significant guests that you're going to meet in just a minute. But uh, I want to talk about this week because uh, as a Christian, I love Christmas. Christmas is probably my favorite holiday. I love Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, but I have always loved July 4th, and it's coming up, and I trust that as uh, the 4th of July, Independence Day comes around, I trust you'll be praying for America, thanking God that we live in this free, prosperous, and uh, somewhat s- safe nation. But I've always loved the 4th of July because I do love American history, and I love the story of how Washington and his men crossed the Delaware and uh, valiantly fought and and realized, you know, as they wrote, we pledge our lives, our Fortunes, our sacred honor to try and birth a free nation. Uh, but Psalm 917 that I opened with says that the Word of God says, the wicked shall be turned to hell, or literally the grave, and all the nations that forget God. Has our nation forgotten God? Ha- have we not uh, maintained a healthy, holy fear of sinning against the holy God of the universe. Hey, uh, we're going to talk this show about some things that need to be talked about. And as you know, this is an election year, and oh my goodness, every day, all day in the news, the fire is is being thrown around, and what an acrimonious, bitter election. Some are making this already, and uh, we're reading all about Biden leading in the polls, and... Uh, Maybe uh, Kamala Harris, uh, Biden's running mate, and what would that look like? And you know, traveling around as I do as an evangelist, I have the privilege of going to so many churches, and it's been a joy to be in more than 2,000 churches over the last 20 years. Um, about a year ago, um, not quite a year ago, I was in Florida, and I was um, the website of this particular church where I was is Casaroca.org. Uh, And, you know, I I love the body of Christ. I'm in so many different churches of different denominations. But I was down in Florida, uh, and these people, they love the Lord. And, oh my goodness, they love the Word of God. They love each other. I was in a church, uh, Casa Roca, a house built on the rock, and it was just so full of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Pastor Richard uh, Jalubi and his family treated me just like family. And he's a brilliant Christian leader, a pastor, a preacher of the Word, leading thousands of people, just influencing uh, so much of not only Florida, but South America. He also has a a background in economics and international business. And the times I was with uh, uh, Pastor Jalubi in Florida, I mean, we had such great fellowship, but I thought, man, this guy is brilliant. He loves the Lord, and he's got such a good handle on culture and current events. I wanted to bring him on the Hamilton Corner, and American Family Radio today to talk about just what God is doing in his church, but also to talk about uh, the Latino vote and how that is going to play out in this 2020 election. And so, uh, Pastor Richard, uh, I believe you're on, and I want to thank you for making time to be with me on the Hamilton Corner tonight.
0: Thank you, Ali, for having me. Thank you.
3: God bless you, and uh, hey, man, uh, it was a different world when I was with you in 2019. How are you all faring? How's your family and the Church here in well, 2020?
0: Well, we have been doing uh, very good, actually. Uh, we are very happy because with all these changes and uh, all this transmission through the Internet and all the platforms in the uh, uh, the social media uh, we have, we have been able to reach much more people than the people that used to sit in our churches physically. So I, I have to say, you know, we really are enjoying this moment and because, because it's a great moment for the Church and a great opportunity.
3: Well, it is, it is. Now, how did God lead you into the pastorate from uh, b- business and economics? How did you wind up uh, being a Christian leader of, of churches?
0: Uh, well uh from that from that point of view, I would like to uh, start by saying a few things regarding economics. as I told as, as you'd already told, I have a background in economics and uh, uh, there is two approaches in which uh, uh, anybody can manage and can drive the economy in a country and um, there is uh, one approach that consists in uh, uh, what I can say is basically that uh, in in the Church, we have been driving all this situation in, a, in the best way we can do, you know, is uh, it has been really, really hard uh, sometimes, but it has been also rewarding.
3: Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, um, with your background in economics, what is your view of socialism? What What do you think of okay. socialism as an economic model for a country?
0: Yes, uh, that's what I wanted to talk to you, uh, because there are two different points of view, two different approaches in which we can see the government or the, po- the, the uh, politics can uh, drive the economics in a country. The first one is the approach to raise taxes, because it's all related to taxes. When they raise the taxes, the taxes uh, a government is growing. That means they are pretending to strengthen the government. Uh, the problem when you do that is that the government is not efficient by managing resources. They just spend money. And the worst of all is that they do not, the government cannot, is not able to create wealth. Mm-hmm. The, other, uh, the other approach to manage the economy is the approach to reduce taxes, which is something that President Trump, by the way, has been doing very successfully. And uh, yeah. reducing the taxes means strengthening the private initiative, to strengthen the uh, entrepreneurs, to, to strengthen the corporations and companies. Yeah, I mean by
3: prior that prior to the it, quarantine, the the economy really was growing, wasn't it?
0: Yes, it has been growing so fast and so quickly, and has been strengthened so much because of their policy, and actually they have demonstrated that when they when you strengthen the in private initiative, they have demonstrated they manage their if more efficiently all the resources and the money, and the best of all, they create wealth. This is the only part of the economy that creates wealth. So if you compare one. One side to the other one is clear to everybody, and that's why the economy, the economy is doing so well this time. You know, uh, with President Trump because he has been using all these policies by strengthening the private initiative.
3: Do you think that the quarantine is going to do long-term damage to the economic uh, progress that had been made?
0: Definitely. The quarantine has to stop. Is what the president has been trying to do from the very beginning. But it's just that uh, he was practically crucified because by saying that, uh, the media has almost killed him because he's saying, you know, it's going to be even worse if we cannot come back to our jobs and continue working Because the damage in... In people, because people is at the end. The people is, is the one that's going to suffer at the end. It will be even worse. People with no jobs, people in the middle of a, uh, of a poor uh, performance economy, is going to be really, really hard to survive. People losing their jobs, everything. So quarantine has to stop. I mean, we cannot stop a country, at the economy of a country, just because of a uh, Pandemia like this, which by the way already it's already confirmed they have a mortality rate that is not grow, grow no no bigger than 2% which is yeah. uh, less than a regular uh, cold or regular flu so we can have it. so what we can do is to take all the measures to avoid the contagious the contamination and contagious but besides that the economy should be open
3: you, you know with your with your background in economics and uh, I so appreciate your understanding of like you say creating wealth we have to create jobs and let business flourish uh, there's a quote uh, Margaret Thatcher who was prime Minister of Britain back during the the Reagan years uh, she yeah. once said socialism is is great until you run out of other people's money exactly uh, <laughs> what what do you think of that quote? Translate that a little bit for me, if you would.
0: <laughs> well, all I can say to compliment what the lady said is the uh, the iron lady that it was called. And uh, this lady, let me tell you, what, we, what she was trying to say basically is, you know, it's easy to manage the money of somebody else. That's like the left do the money. That's what uh, the communist and socialism is trying to do. That's why they are, you know, so, uh, so uh, stubborn in making the government grow. Because the government, wants, uh, through the government, they want to control everything. They want to control the wealth. The problem is that the government cannot and is not able to produce wealth. So it's going to last for a few minutes, but after, or after work, it's not going to work. That's it. And we have been seeing that thing.
3: Do uh, Let me ask you this, because your 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 church, ha- House on the Rock in, in Miami, which is such a great church, one of America's great churches, and it was my privilege to Thank you. speak there for several years. Uh, by the way, give the website of the church, Pastor Richard, if you would.
0: It's www.casarocamiami.org
3: Casa Roca Miami. Uh, yes,
0: casarocamiami.org
3: and you and Diana are, are just phenomenal, serving the Lord. And uh, President Trump, when he first came out as a candidate, you know, now over four years ago, he really began to campaign early on in Miami. I know you were at meetings, you've you've met with him, along with other pastors. Let's talk about this election, because it really is, you know, two different worlds. I mean, the, the yes. Democrat, liberal, socialist progressive, secular, versus our constitutional nation that was founded on biblical principles. Um, What do you see for the Latino vote, uh, Richard?
0: Well, uh, I'm going to tell you uh, some of the features that Latin people have. So you maybe can understand a little bit our people. It's the Latin people. Let me tell you, let me start by saying that Latin people are pro-family and pro-life.
3: By Amen. Praise God.
0: Uh, they are also very hard workers, and they are—they uh, are, they, are, they are a lot of entrepreneurs among them. And also, the third thing, they are very moral. They have deep, deep inside very uh, strong moral principles. So, based on these three points, these three points, uh, we can reach these people easily by touching these three things. And uh, let me tell you, uh, uh, when the president comes for the, pre- for the first election, or when he was about to be elected, uh, the first campaign, he came seven times here to Florida. And in several of those meetings, in each, in each uh, time, we have this meeting with the pastors, several private meetings with pastors.
3: Hey, hold that that thought. Hold that thought, if you would. We've got a brief break. This is the Hamilton Corner on the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland sitting in for Abe Hamilton. Our very special guest, Richard Jalubi, pastor of House on the Rock, Casa Roca in Florida. Great church, great insights about not only the spiritual dynamics of the culture, but... Uh, the upcoming election. Stay tuned. Alex McFarland is back after this brief break on the American Family Radio Network, a big show. Stay tuned. Don't go away.
1: And now your two-minute health and prayers update from the Presidential Prayer Team, a ministry of the Pray First Radio Network.
4: But the increasing viral spread across the nation is also a problem, especially in New York City. New York City is where most of the flights come. New York City is where most of the travelers come. Uh, We have offered help to any state that is experiencing a spike. We have personnel who know this better than anyone in the United States. We learned it the hard way. We have equipment. We have testing capacity. So any state that needs help, we stand ready. I will never forget how good this country was to New York when we needed help. And the door swings both ways in life, uh, so we don't forget as New Yorkers, and we'll be there for other people.
5: Hello, this is Jim Bolthouse, President of the Pray First Radio Network. During these times of uncertainty, we're here for you with current information about the COVID-19 virus as well as important prayer points to guide you in prayer at a time when our country needs it most. Deuteronomy 31.8 reminds us that even in difficult times, we are
1: not alone. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. We'd like to invite you right now to join us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, grant us peace in our hearts, so that we may face these times with calm, strength, and thoughtful decisions. Let our minds and bodies find rest, and let your spirit continue to burn brightly in our hearts each and every day. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To access free prayer resources that guide you in prayer, and to see updates about the COVID-19 virus, go to pray.org.
5: This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, Metashare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of Metashare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of Cobra plans, for instance, and Metashare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month. You might save even more. Metashare is a Christian community that shares each other's healthcare costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by May 30th, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch like more than 400,000 people already have and start saving. Here it is call 833 44 Bible. That's 833 44 Bible. 833 44 Bible.
1: Shining light into the darkness. This is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio.
4: Building
5: 429. You can live a life of purpose, free from addiction and full of hope.
2: My dad was killed by a drunk driver. I turned to drugs and alcohol to hide from my pain. I was just angry. I was lost. I was broken. I was just a mess. After I got charged with my drug felony, I ended up in jail. And all I could do is say, okay, God, I'm sorry. Help me out of this mess that I've made. I came to Teen Challenge. And if it weren't for God intervening in my life, I don't know where I'd be today. He reached down and rescued me. And now God has given me new life.
5: Even if you're not struggling with an addiction yourself, you may know a teen or an adult who is. And Adult and Teen Challenge Centers across the country are waiting to help at 855-END-ADDICTION or TeenChallengeUSA.org. You're listening to American Family Radio. I feel so hopeless. Hopeless. Is
1: there any hope? I I just feel like there's no hope
6: at all.
3: Is there any hope? hope?
6: Get hope last month i came across psalms 23 in the bible
1: that's twr president
6: lauren libby i was impressed with the lord is my shepherd i shall not want it occurred to me that since jesus is my shepherd provider and protector i should not want god is committed to the needs in our lives not necessarily wants debt is taking future resources emotionally physically financially or spiritual resources to satisfy current wants creating a gap or a deficit, and thus creating a debt. Since Jesus is my shepherd, the one who provides and protects me, I have the ability not to be enslaved by my wants. Now that gives hope. Need
1: more hope? We have resources waiting for you, including a free devotional. You'll find them at GetHopeRadio.com. That's GetHopeRadio.com. And now, a moment in history from Stephen McDowell of the
2: Providence Foundation. George Washington Carver was faithful to fulfill his biblical vocation. He applied God's truth and transformed the economy of the South, giving the farmers of the southeastern United States tools to be much more productive. He discovered over 300 uses for the peanut, 107 uses for the sweet potato, stating my purpose alone must be God's purpose to increase the welfare and happiness of his people. What was the secret of his success? He wrote, it is simple. It is found in the Bible. And all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. The principles for our success in our vocational calling
6: can be found in the Bible as well. To learn more of God's hand in history, visit our website, ProvidenceFoundation.com.
2: It's my turn.
6: Here is your host for My Turn, Don Wildman.
2: One day in London, a Methodist preacher looked out over the poor people of that city. His heart went out to those people. He wanted to help them, and he dedicated his life to their service. Little did he know what that dedication would mean. In a few years, his efforts to aid the poor had gained a few followers, and many opponents. Quite often he found his followers beaten and their property wrecked or destroyed because of their convictions. In 1884, 37 years after he began preaching, 600 of his followers were sent to prison because of their religious concern for the poor. Following several years of persecution, the founder and the movement began to win some acceptance. Much of this acceptance was brought about when he presented his case in a book entitled in Darkest England and the Way Out. In that book, he had concrete proposals for several improvements. Relieving poverty and fighting vice, Homes for the homeless. Training centers to prepare immigrants for overseas countries. Rescue homes for women and uh, girls being sold into bondage for immoral purposes. Homes for released prisoners. Legal aid for the poor. And practical help for the alcoholic. The movement became known as the Salvation Army, and the preacher who fell in love with the poor people of London was named William Booth. Someone asked him one day what the secret of his very productive life was. His answer was simple and quite profound. I'll tell you the secret, he said. I have made up my mind that Jesus Christ could have all there was of William Booth. I know that he has men with more brains and more ability. But when I saw the poor of London, and knowing what Jesus Christ could do for them, I made up my mind to give all there is of me to him. Of this man, the historian wrote that his theology was simple, certainly concentrated on essential matters, clearly expounded for the understanding and inspiration of the common man. Done. Re-
4: welcome back to the hamilton corner alex mcfarland here we had a little bit of an extended break there because we had kind of a a little glitch and i don't know if it's related to a thunderstorm nearby but i welcome you back and uh... uh... pastor ricardo Jalubi, are you still there holding after this long break yes i'm here yes (laughs) well thank you for holding thank you for holding what was going to be just a couple of minute break a little bit lengthy but we did get to hear some of dr don Wildman, but um... And I want I want to give a couple of minutes to talk about the Latino vote because in the news it's portrayed as if um, the Latino vote is overwhelmingly Democrat, and I, I'm not sure that's really the case. What What do you think? How do you think? Because before the break, well, you were doing such a good job talking about family, a work ethic, morality, well, the Christian well, faith. Well, I would yes.
0: say that uh, Democrat has been appealing much nicer to Latin people because of their promises. But we need to remember, I was telling you before we make the, uh, the break, uh, that Latins are, by nature, pro-family, pro-life. They are hard workers, and they are moral people. So uh, based on these, I would say that many of the Latin people that comes to the United States of America are people that are you know, uh, getting away from their system, from their countries in which they mostly uh, have these uh, totalitarian systems, you know. And we need to yeah. understand these because they need to leave those countries. It's not that they want to leave. It's just that they have to. And they found in this country whatever uh, everything that they w- were looking for. And we need to understand that because uh, that's why the immigration uh, issue it has been so critical at the moment of the voters to vote for any candidate because they don't want to come back. They, they have yeah. principles. I told you before, they are pro-family, pro-life. They, they have deep morals, but the problem of the immigration for them and the fact that they have to come back to their countries, that they left because of the situation there, it doesn't make any sense. For them. So that is why we need to uh, understand why these people sometimes do not vote based in their principles, but based in the fact that they need to remain here in this country. That was the country they chose. They it's, it's a country by choice, you know?
3: So, yes. Well, pastor, do you think that do you think that the Latino voters see past all of the the spin and the news and will vote for the principles they know in their heart, which I believe are most embodied by President Trump? This
0: is basically what we had been trying to do Alex uh, during not only during the previous election, but on this one too, we need to put in them and remember them those principles in which they believe, and we are trying only to make to make them remember that this is the, the, the most important thing. And uh, on the other hand, if you look into uh, the policies adopted for each uh, of the president, President Obama w- was the one that deported more more people from our country than anybody else in in, the, in this country before. Not even, not none of the presidents before him have done what he did yeah. in history, you know? Exactly. So it's clear that uh, it's also, it's kind of a, uh, um, something that, a fog that are creating around the subject, and it's not completely true. Because a president, president... Uh, Trump has been trying to implement their own policies, and their policies have been uh, uh, very uh, coordinated and very uh, coherent because yes, they good. are talking about we need to make it look because it's a it's a national security issue, and it is. but the problem here is that he's, 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 this argument has been using for the other side to make him look ridiculous, which is not. And he's not against immigration. He believes in immigrants. He 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 actually has been doing a, a lot of, uh, completing a lot of cases that has been losing during the last eight or ten years. Yes. And I, I know because in my church there have been uh, cases that have been resolved in the latest month due to the what uh, President Trump has been doing lately. You know, so... Is that these policies has been really, really clear? It's just that uh, it's a matter of language more than a policy, in reality.
3: Well, Pastor Jalubi, we're we're going to have to pull away right now. I want to have you back on and talk further, but um, I appreciate not only what you're doing for the Kingdom of God, I appreciate what you're doing for our nation, and thank you on the uh, the vote, the immigration, and the economics, and why socialism is wrong. I appreciate you giving us some time on American Family Radio tonight. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me, and
3: God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Folks, you're listening to the Hamilton Corner. Alex McFarland sitting in for Abe Hamilton. And uh, very excited right now because uh, one of the people I have followed in the news for several years is Sheriff Richard Mack. He is the founder of uh, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officer Association, and oh my goodness, there's a lot in the news that we can talk about. Uh, Sheriff Mack, are you there?
7: I'm here. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you so much for making time to be on the American Family Radio Network. We appreciate that. And... uh, Hey, if you've uh, got your radio on or speaker on, turn that down if you don't mind because uh, I don't I don't want that to feedback. I want people to hear you loudly and clearly. You know just as as I was prepping for the interview tonight, um, Alexandra Acacia cortez AOC is in the news talking about how billions of dollars of uh, reductions is not enough. She says defund the police means quote, defund the police." Uh, my dear fellow American, what are your thoughts on all this call to abolish law enforcement?
7: Well, it's, a, it's like uh, an astronomical overreaction uh, to a couple of serious problems, yes, uh, but this is a way overreaction to what happened to uh, George Floyd. Uh, it, that is not a common occurrence. It maybe happens... Five or six times a year. Uh, we have blacks killing blacks in Chicago, uh, a hundred times worse pace than that. And yes, we need to address all of that. And yes, we need to address all injustices in America. The Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers Association, org which I am the founder and president, we are against all injustices for all people, all the time. And we don't care who it happens to. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we, uh, along with oath keepers, were the only national group marching with the Jose Guerena family when he, uh, a former Marine, was murdered by a SWAT team in Tucson, Arizona. We mm-hmm. were all over that, and it do, it doesn't. Nobody asked us if, if we were just uh, supporting stuff for Mexicans or for Hispanics or. For brown people, or no, this is for all Americans, especially a man who served his country, and especially when the warrant this SWAT team served turned up nothing illegally in this man's home, yet he mm-hmm. was still gunned down with uh, like 65 bullets. And and see, and, and I don't care, my greatest hero in America is Rosa Parks, she stood Amen. for freedom, and she stood against stupid laws, and the CSPOA is probably the number one organization in the country now that stands against the enforcement of stupid laws, and we train our sheriffs and peace officers in this country to not and to never enforce stupid laws, and now we have sheriffs all over the country standing against stupid laws and stupid orders, dictator orders from... Uh, governors and mayors all across this country. So the bottom line is, on the original question, uh, the police in this country owe no apology to anyone. Uh, Eighty yeah. percent of them, eighty-five percent of them, are good people and do a good job. Uh, and this was the George Floyd incident was a typical problem with leadership not getting rid of a bad apple when they had the chance and sweeping things under the rug instead of taking action as they should. But uh, I will tell you, if these people started this, these riots and protests because they're after justice, I can tell you 100% I was in law enforcement 20 years. I ran a jail for eight years. Every wheel of the justice system that is supposed to be turning, that should be turning at this point in this crime, is accelerating every day and it's Mm -hmm. turning even faster than normal so people need to let the justice system play out and work its uh, duties and responsibilities and let everybody else wait and see how that goes uh, and and let's not
3: torch the country uh hold that thought hang on sheriff In, in fact uh, hang on here. Uh, this is the Hamilton Corner with Alex McFarland on the American Family Radio Network. We've got a brief break. Don't go away. More about the future of law enforcement, stability, safety, lawfulness here in the United States of America that so desperately needs to turn back to the righteous judge, our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay tuned.
1: From the earliest day... The goal of those who had come to America was to advance the glory of God and to advance the Christian faith. Focal Point with Brian Fisher. The calling that God has on America, it's a calling that's never changed. This is still God's calling on the United States of America, and that is to fulfill the Great Commission. Listen
5: weekday afternoons at 1 Central on American Family Radio.
4: Unrighteous Judgment. This is David Wheaton, host of The Christian Worldview. New Yorker magazine wrote, in a six to three opinion written by Trump appointee Neil Gorsuch, the Supreme Court ruled that discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or transgender status is illegal under the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It was the single biggest victory in the history of the LGBTQ rights movement, unquote. This decision doesn't add homosexuality or transgenderism to the protected categories of the Civil Rights Act, but it does open the door for all manner of legal challenges. This is why God told Moses to appoint judges and leaders to quote, judge the people with righteous judgment, unquote. Hear more at thechristianworldview.org and then tune in this weekend for another topic that will sharpen your worldview. Listen to The
6: Christian Worldview with David Wheaton, Saturday mornings at 8 central on American Family Radio. Hello Americans, I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers. Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash starnes. The medical experts told us to stay at home for two weeks and the curve would flatten. Then they said it would be another two weeks and another and then yet another. And here we are three months later and the medical experts are telling us we still need to stay at home. So here's an honest question for all of us to consider. Exactly how much longer are we going to allow ourselves to be quarantined? Four months? Six months? A year? And how much longer will private businesses be able to survive if they have to shut their doors? Why is it okay for people to protest in the streets, but it's not okay to go to church? Why is it okay for thousands of people to congregate in a big-box store, but not in a small mom-and-pop operation? The truth is, the country cannot stay locked down indefinitely. We simply cannot survive. Businesses will fail. Unemployment will skyrocket. The America as we now know it will cease to exist. And maybe that's the point. I'm Todd Starnes.
1: The Hamilton Quarter podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. You know, as I was
3: watching all of the, uh, the rioting and the looting and the anarchy in the aftermath of the George Floyd death, I was thinking about Exodus 23, verse 2, where the Word of God says, Do not follow a crowd to do evil which is what we've seen so many people do. And uh, with me right now is uh, Sheriff Richard Mack. He is uh, the founder of uh, the group that I just so enjoyed getting to know about, this uh, constitutional uh, law enforcement uh, figures. And by the way, let me say this. Thank you for serving our country by being in law enforcement. And uh, let me ask you this, Sheriff Mack. How do you think morale is right now among law enforcement officers all around the country? (laughs)
7: Yeah. Well, uh, it's uh, obviously uh, at an all-time low. Uh, These officers who have conducted themselves admirably, who risked their lives for safety of their communities and for our country, uh, really feel like they've been backstabbed. No one in law enforcement supported the death of George Floyd. We were all horrified at at that horrible scene and that horrible death. Senseless, ridiculous uh, totally against training death, and no one, no one supported that. And the officers who are responsible are in jail and going to court, and everything's proceeding just as it should. But now officers are uh, striking. Uh, it's called the blue flu, and uh, many hundreds are re- retiring uh, early because they feel so uh, abandoned and stabbed in the back by the American people and by our politicians. And when politicians uh, get private security and then try to get rid of police, that is the epitome of hypocrisy.
3: Well, it is. And, I mean, so many of the uh, socialist governments around the world, that's been the, the M.O. I mean, the people, the proletariat people live under one set of conditions, whereas the elites live under their own uh, set of conditions Um, had George Floyd not died and died in the way that he did do you think the um, the there would have been a different uh, attempt to undermine national security and national stability see I I mean it's tragic it was wrong uh, we stand against uh, racism and injustice in every form and I know on that you and I are agreed I suspect, though, there would have been some concerted effort to upend the stability of inner-city neighborhoods and to to bring this disorder, because I think we're watching the, the imposition, or the attempted imposition of a new order. What do you think?
7: Yeah, I mean, you could tell they were just looking for any excuse they could get, and they got that, And because it certainly wasn't. Uh, The police departments fall in Arizona, what happened in Minneapolis. uh, Same thing in Salt Lake City, same thing in Albuquerque. Yet everything went crazy uh, in New York City, and New York City had nothing to do with it. Look, everybody has their problems and makes their mistakes. And in law enforcement, when we make a mistake, it can be deadly. And I totally agree that anyone who commits a crime while in a uniform should uh, be punished to the full extent of the law. I've always said that, and the problem with with law enforcement is training. We are not properly trained. And I can tell you one for instance. How is it that we are required by the supreme law of the land, article six of the U.S. Constitution, to swear an oath of allegiance to the Constitution. And all three branches of government, all members of all three branches of government, are required to swear that oath. Mm
1: -hmm. Yet in
7: law enforcement, or the other branches as well, we're never trained as to what that means. We are never trained as to what the Constitution means, what the Bill of Rights means, what what is the proper role of government What is the proper role of law enforcement? And you know that at the end of the day, all three branches of government have the same purpose, and I quote the Declaration of Independence, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, end quote. Our purpose in law enforcement is to protect God-given rights. Judicial branch, same thing. Legislative branch, same thing. But we have gotten so far off track on that, and what worries me is that the revamping of police training is going to go further left, further socialistic, more communistic ideals, mm-hmm. PC instead of and anti-... back to the basics.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, right now it's the culture is just so politically correct, and everybody's walking on eggshells. And when you talk about things like you know, upholding the Constitution and the rule of law. I mean, they're going to label you a racist, you know, this or that. Yeah. I- in in your opinion, what can we citizens who appreciate our law enforcement officers? Actually, my next door neighbor is a policeman for the the nearby city where I live, and I my wife and I try to go over and tell him how much we appreciate him and that we're praying for him. What can citizens do? Not only to encourage their law enforcement officers locally, but try to preserve uh, the law enforcement departments.
7: Yeah, we need we need that, and we need to make our voices heard at the city councils, like Minneapolis and others, that are actually considering getting rid of the police. Oh my gosh, they're going to rue the day. But
4: I pity that kind of
7: approach to this whole problem but yes we need to make sure that our streets aren't being patrolled by strangers and we need to get out and the police do need to do the same We need to get out of our cars and the people need to invite a cop into their home and you know a friend of mine was on patrol on thanksgiving day and some people came outside and saw the officer and said come on in why don't you come and eat with us and he did and he's never forgot it And the camaraderie and friendship that he developed that day with people on his beat uh, was priceless. And that is what we need to remember, is cops are people, and we need to be friendly with them, and they need to get to know us, and we need to get to know them. We cannot be patrolled by strangers. And then we need to take advantage and and take leadership and provide the right training, and we do that at the CSPOA. And I invite everybody to become a member. This is, this is a citizen partnership organization with police and sheriffs. And everybody can become a member, and it's exactly what we want. If you've heard of all the sheriffs standing across the country, that's because we have sheriffs now who are getting it and understanding that the Constitution and liberty come first, and that is their responsibility to their citizens to enforce liberty.
3: You know, in the cities where monuments are coming down, even statues of, you know, George Washington and, the, you know, great leaders that nobody should have a problem with, uh, what can we citizens do when, when uh, mayors and different ones, just without the consent of the people, are calling for the removal of monuments to our history? Legally, what can citizens do to protect those monuments?
7: Well, can you believe it? I mean, I, I kind of had a dream the other night that they were trying to do it to the Statue of Liberty. Could you imagine? Oh, well, Nancy
3: but, Pelosi last Friday said that when asked about the removal of Mount Rushmore, Nancy Pelosi said, I think that would be wise. Oh, my. Uh, you know, I mean.
7: And when you have idiots in positions of power like that, it just really, really amazes me how anybody ever votes for those people.
4: But we've been so down and we've been
7: so brainwashed. That I, I guess that's what's taken over in, our, in America today. But the, the Statue of Liberty says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. And that's what I want to do. I don't want to wear a mask anymore. I want to be forced by criminal enforcement codes to wear a mask. That's a personal choice. Wearing a seatbelt is a personal choice. Being an American is a personal choice. We need to put freedom back where it belongs, we need to put the Constitution back where it belongs, and we need to remember our history, our huddled masses yearning to breathe free. Sheriff wow. Mac,
3: how significant do you think the next election is?
7: Well, I really fear for the next election because it's, it's pretty much a no-win situation. If Donald Trump wins, we're gonna have probably ten times, maybe a hundred times worse, the riots in the streets of America. Yeah. and the democrats are on the left and the socialists and communists and the uh, antifa and the violent people involved with them are holding the election hostage for that very reason they know they are they know the threats there it's got me where i'm going to vote for trump even more because i know that's exactly what they're planning uh, i think they'll also they're planning a major incident before then they're going to pull out all the stops because they already have and they've shown us they have no shame
3: they're and they're going to do
7: anything and everything to keep Trump out of there, and it's it's an absolute outrage and catastrophe for America. What's going on? Because if, then, if uh, Biden gets in there and he strengthens uh, Adam Schiff and Nancy Pelosi and Nadler and all these other horrible leftists, uh, and there's some horrible Republicans too. I I don't like either party. I agree with Washington. Two party system will destroy America. But it is uh, a shame how fast America is dying, and it breaks my heart to see it happen and watch as it happens right in front of our eyes.
3: Yeah, I I mean, um, is it fair to say that with all of the protests and the anarchy and the statues and then just corruption among those that are holding office, are we watching an incremental overthrow of the U.S. government?
7: Well, it's not incremental anymore. It's uh... it's bold in your face. The last three months, look how uh, it has been exacerbated and accelerated. It used to be, it used to be incremental, incrementalism known as Fabianism, but now yes. it's bold in your face. I mean, look at the the shutdown and the and the the, the economy completely destroyed and and uh, quarantining healthy people and completely changing our perspective on what government is. Uh, is and what government is supposed to be and it, it's going to happen again and sure enough here comes another shutdown right now in front of our face and and we should be all singing, uh... the hashtag never again never again will we allow our government to do this to us again and we we've, we've got to get back to our constitution get back to our godly principles uh... or or We're going to be telling stories about how we, once upon a time, we saw uh, theme parks that were actually open and baseball diamonds that were actually open, and uh, the American people got to choose for themselves how they went to church and uh, that we actually used to go to church. These things are horrible, horrible, and uh, there's no provision, no matter what the emergency is, for any of these government officials to assume uh, dictatorial rule and totalitarian authoritative rule, and then tell us what we have to do, and then have the police enforce it. That's you know, where the police have got it wrong. It, it's really
3: need, martial they law They need to be trained committee. better in that. Uh, Say that again? It, it's really almost martial law by committee. I mean, with governors well, and mayors. Yeah.
7: Yes. You're absolutely S- correct, and... We have got to do something more about it. Now, I abhor all violence, but uh, I do support civil disobedience. I've been a part of that before. I stood yeah. the Clinton administration when I was a sheriff. And uh, I, I believe in standing and doing what's right. And we have got to stand and do what's right.
3: Do you and may I make
7: one more plea to everybody plea? listening yeah. to this program. Yeah. Go to cspoa.org, become a member, make a donation. I've written eight books. Get these books, they will tell you what we need to do. In my Supreme Court decision, Justice Scalia wrote it for the majority, and he said, quote, but the Constitution protects us from our own best intentions, end quote. That's, and that's a great That's a Supreme quote. Court decision that every one of us should be enforcing.
3: That's a great quote, and uh, what can we do, Uh, we've only got about a minute, what can we do to try and embolden citizens everywhere to break free of the bondage of the quarantines and civilly disobey and therein exercise freedom and protect freedom?
7: Well, we need to do just as Rosa Parks did, and never get to the back of the bus, stand against uh, stupid laws, and we need police trained That they would not arrest us, as they should not have done with Rosa Parks, but should have sat down next to her, should have shaken her hand, and escorted her home safely. They need to do the same to us today. Stand with us while we stand for liberty. Can you imagine having the police and sheriffs standing next to us while we stand for liberty?
3: Well, Sheriff Richard Mack, you're a great American. I really, really appreciate you being on the Hamilton Corner, and I want to thank everybody listening. I want to say a big thanks to uh, our, Randy Gardner and our, our engineers because uh, we've had a good show in spite of the fact that we had some technical issues. My name is Alex McFarland. You can hear me most days on Exploring the Word Monday through Friday on the American Family Radio Network, 3 o'clock Central. See you soon. God bless you.